0: Hello there, everybody. Welcome to an off-day edition of the Phillies Therapy Podcast. My name is Paul Boyer, joined as always by the athletics, Matt Gelb, riding high off a really nice week. The Phillies took series from the Chicago White Sox out in the Midwest, then came home and took three out of four from the Colorado Rockies. Outcomes you were probably hoping for and sort of expecting. Uh, the team looked good, pulled out a couple of gritty wins on Friday and Saturday with some comebacks. Uh, laid the smackdown on Sunday. Cruise into this off day at ten. Uh, sorry, eleven and twelve on the season. They were seven games back as recently as this time last week, but are now just a handful back. Uh, thanks to Atlanta running into the Houston buzzsaw. The Phillies are three and a half games back in the division. All just goes to show you how fast these things can change, et cetera, et cetera. April baseball. woohoo! Things are still going pretty well on the whole. And I think that's indicative of the two series wins here. We got a few things to talk about, but first let's bring in Matt. Matt. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm good, Paul. I think, uh, was an interesting week and it reminds me of last year where you know every week we would record something and it felt felt like an extreme you know it would be the complete opposite <laughs> the following week and uh, I don't think we're the, we're you know we're not quite there to that point yet uh, you know where the Phillies were uh, just just could never be normal and totally teetering back and forth but yeah I think you said it best I mean the White Sox and Rockies are two um, underachieving teams and you want to take care of business and the Phillies did and The schedule will get a little harder for them, especially beginning uh, this coming weekend. They go on a trip uh, to Houston and then LA to see the Dodgers. So um, you want to take care of of the bad teams. And there are some really, really bad teams in baseball right now. And Mm. the beauty of the balanced schedule, I guess, is that, well, I mean, the Phillies are going to get to play uh, every team in baseball this year, and they're going to play the Braves and Mets less. And so, um, you know, that theoretically should help a team uh, that. Uh, is looking, you know, trying to win the division, but, you know, probably more realistically looking at, you know, like one of those wild card spots and getting to play some of the the bad teams in the AL on a regular basis. Um, that'll definitely help.
0: Yeah. And speaking of playing every team, we got a little brief trip through part of the NL West coming up with Seattle here in Philadelphia for three games, followed by a three game trip out to Houston for a little World Series rematch over the weekend. Matt, did you know it, it, it's been almost two weeks since the Phillies lost when they've scored a run? <laughs> the, the, the last three losses have all been shutout losses. <laughs> Thir- last Thursday, they lost 6-2 to two in Cincinnati. That was the last time they lost when scoring a run, um, which is just fun. I like to point that out there. Matt, I, I think the first thing I want to get into is, is a positive thing. Yay, we like starting off on a high note. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Friday's game uh, against the Rockies, where the team had their their first comeback of the weekend series. Um, And I'm just looking at some of the reported attendance numbers from really their entire 10 game home stretch that they've played so far. And, you know, there, there are so many versions of this adage. Take the one you like. But if your team wins, man, you have a good team out there. If you get players. You make those splashy signings and acquisitions, people are going to come out to the park. The Phillies have drawn more than 40,000 fans more often than they have not so far in these 10 games. Six out of 10 games. Now, it helps to have two of those three home series be weekend series, sure. But one of those 40,000 draws includes a Tuesday against the Marlins. Okay. And the other two weren't that far off. They were just a little below 30,000. And then you look at the Rocky series, 35, 43, just a hair under 42, 44. I think those are three on the book sellouts. Anyway, I could not help but be impressed by a non-giveaway Friday against a non-division rival, a bad team that is expected to finish last in its division, a good NL West, but still, Colorado is not contending for that division, to have a sellout crowd. People are coming to the park early on here, even despite the slow start. That playoff run is still paying dividends. And the energy in that place is really high. I think if you haven't had a chance to get out to the park yet, you know, you should still be able, I would think, to get tickets for the Seattle series here in this this midweek if you can make it out. But when it's convenient for you and you have the opportunity, ticket prices are still a little bit high. Yes, I, I think. Money is always going to be a factor for professional sports these days. But man, it's a great ticket right now, Matt. And I'm sure you see this every day when you're, you're in the press box covering these home series. Has it had that different feeling from April's past where maybe the team's gotten off to a bit of a slow start with the crowds? Obviously, we're not coming off of an NL championship. Um, am I wrong in thinking that there's just a little extra juice out there in the seats right now?
1: Yeah, I think so, Paul. And it's funny because, uh, what, you know, we had all these reminders of, of the glory days, right? And, you know, they get to the playoffs and you're like, oh, it feels like it used to feel, you know, a Citizens Bank Park. But I think it really hit me on that, on the first uh, dollar dog night of the year this year, it was a Tuesday night against the Marlins. You reference it.
0: They the 40,000 40 draw, yeah, yeah, yeah. 40
1: plus. And it was dollar dog night. And it reminded me of... Those glory days even more than the playoffs did and that's because like the the crowds during those those years were most amazing to me on like the random weeknight in April or May or June and it was a party like it was the place to be they had that sellout streak for I don't know how many seasons ended yeah. up going, maybe like five seasons and um, it was an incredible thing because it's really hard to do that and you know, there's another Dollar Dog Night coming up here. Uh, the first game of the Mariners series, and, and the weather is not going to be quite as good. It's going to be a little chillier, and I, I wonder if they. I doubt they get to forty again, but maybe they do. I don't know, but it just, um, it it has sort of had that party vibe, I think, early on, and even on even on the non weekend, uh, games, and, and that and that's cool. I mean, like you said, yeah. I mean that this is part of reaping the reward of that run that they had last year and it's it's uh it manifests in different ways and having a a more juiced crowd uh for these games especially early in the season when you know you're not expecting attendance to be great um school's still going on weather's you know hit or miss uh nba playoffs are going on etc i mean it's uh it's been really cool to see i mean and i really think that like uh you know, those those nights in June and July where, you know, the team is still, you know, kind of finding its way and the games are important, you know, but it's the summertime. It's it's not as important like those. They're going to have some big crowds and the atmosphere is going to be really cool. And uh, <laughs> it's even when there aren't dollar dogs. So I think, yeah. I think it's it's been it's been fun. Just I, I, I walked around the concourse upstairs. Uh, during Sunday's game, I went to go see some friends and I just was wandering around and like the lines are crazy. And I know I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah. Games like that's been a complaint. And I think um, that's something they definitely need to work on. Like it's crazy. Um, I've saw some of the lines at concession stands and um, I don't know if they need more staff or like you need to open more. I don't know, but it's, it's, you know, clearly like, you know, things have changed and, and uh, it's very different and they right now have the biggest uh, year over year increase in attendance in the sport. That's right. right. They are fifth, in the league so far in average attendance and behind the Dodgers Padres Cardinals and Yankees. And that's uh, it's a pretty good place to be. And I guess we'll see, you know, what it looks like in the summer, like where, where they're at, but obviously they, they sold more season tickets. There's more interest in the team. Um, and all of that creates uh, a really cool atmosphere. And yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's not going to be anything like it was in the playoffs, but I think the coolest part of those of the, of that run, that previous run that saw streak was just, you know, the random nights where you have a crowd that is into it invested and, uh just it just makes for a, a really cool atmosphere
0: one one of the best barometers for this is i didn't hear my first eagles chant until we were at the gates leaving <laughs> so you know there's that people are into it it helps when the game is good you know but even when ryan mcmahon you know speaking just from friday's game hit that three-run home run it didn't immediately you know devolve into into madness and nonsense there was even a little bit of of uh self-policing so like as a team emerges from a, a reconstruction, a rebuild, a, a finding itself and getting out of the dark ages and into competitive baseball again, you're going to draw more fans out there, young and old, who maybe don't know the unwritten rules of being at a baseball game. And there aren't that many. One of them for me is you don't do the wave in a one run game. I don't do the wave at all because I'm a little bit of a stick in the mud, but I get, it's kind of fun. No, if no, the game's no, out of reach, no, you're like, right. You know, this
1: just, is fair. You're right. Just go yeah. with it.
0: Somebody we were sitting out in right field and somebody tried to get the wave going when it was three uh, 2 when when the, the Phillies were trailing. And they were shot down immediately. <laughs> they were very loudly trying to get the wave going. And and there were some they were being met with some boos. They got two attempts in and then Kyle Schwarber hit a home run to tie the game. And that was that the, <laughs> there are little things like that. That also make me feel like there's some life in the stadium, that banter, that backboard. It was all good natured. Like, don't remember, people weren't like coming to blows or anything like that it was fun. Um, but it's just nice to see that many people be invested in it. I know it's a little bit of like, oh, please like my sport, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think of it as a competitive thing between sports. I just would like people to enjoy baseball. That 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 is my thing. I would like for more people to enjoy this sport. Um, and to see the team be able to draw this many folks this early in the season for non-marquee games. I mean, again, the three home series, we're talking about the Reds and the Rockies having the Marlins in the division helps. Yeah, I guess. But they're not the Braves or the Mets who would draw more. Uh, it's really just encouraging. I like it. I just yeah, I really I, like it.
1: I think there's. I, you know, I use this always as my barometer and I can tell, I can tell that there have been more people in the stands who maybe haven't, don't go to a lot of games or haven't been to games before. You know, there's like routine fly ball and there's a lot of cheers, like I can hear that and that's, that's all right. Like I'm not ripping those people. It's like, it's, I think it's a sign of like people who, who don't necessarily go to a lot of games and that's, that's cool. Like you see that early on and like, we talked about it last fall. I mean, we thought that like, this was it, you know, this was a city that had kind of I don't know, say forgotten about baseball, but it was an afterthought and and the fact that you know so many people fell back in love or or were introduced or um you know were reminded of of you know what going to a game was like or what caring about baseball was like um that's really cool and I think that's what you're seeing manifest right now
0: absolutely uh, speaking of draws and, and continuing to get fans out uh, to see the team at Citizens Bank park and really elsewhere there is no bigger draw on this team than Bryce Harper two-time National League MVP. Matt, you wrote for a piece in The Athletic uh, a few days, possibly a week or so ago, uh, with one sentence in there, just, this is really happening. And the this, in this case, happens to be Bryce Harper learning first base and being on the fast track to returning to the lineup as a designated hitter. These are not two things that will arrive at the same time. This is not a simultaneous thing. His first game back, he will not be a first baseman. When he comes back to the lineup, it'll be as the DH for a while. But the first base thing seems to be real. And his return ahead of schedule, well ahead of the initial schedule. If you, if you all remember, our expectations were being set for July, mid-July, maybe even late July. That has now moved up significantly. It is a very real possibility, Matt, that Bryce Harper is back in this lineup within a couple of weeks? before the end of May, certainly like how is this making your head spin too? Like I, I am bewildered by how quickly this has changed and in a positive way.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, I use this word in in my one story last week. I mean, it's absurd. It is. And and I'm not saying it's like absurd in a reckless way. It's just absurd period. I I mean, I, I don't think anyone uh, in the organization expected this my thinking was, you know, in, in spring training, it was kind of a newsy thing when when Dave Dombrowski says, you know, we're not going to put him on the 60 day IL. And in mm-hmm. my mind, I'm just talking to people about this, like trying to get a feel for it. They were leaving the door open, I think, for like the last week in May and and May 23 would be six months out from the surgery. He had it November 23rd, right before mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. And I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, OK, so they're leaving that door open You know, for him to maybe get back last week of May, um, they have, you know, games against the Braves and the Mets at the end of May. It's like, okay, okay, I understand why they want to leave that door open, but likely it's like he's early June, right? Mm -hmm. And even that would still be, you know, less than seven, you know, between six and seven minutes out, which would be, you know, remarkable. Uh, Like, I don't know. I mean, he might be in the lineup on May 5th. Mm. Like, I. (laughs) Wild. You know, we're the team goes to Houston and then LA, uh, they're in LA May first, second, and third, and he's going to see uh Neil Eltrash, who's the orthopedist who did the Tommy John surgery on him last November. And if he gets like this final go ahead, you know, to be able to do the high intense slides, you know, Mm -hmm. where his elbow is impacting the ground, I I mean they're doing everything else right now to have him ready to just ready to go as a DH. And he's not going to do a minor league rehab. He is Mm -hmm. facing live pitching, you know, in a kind of sort of simulated controlled situation at the ballpark. Um, He's going to end up getting like 45 to 60 live ABs as it stands. Uh, So (laughs) I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy.
0: What what is the thought behind not sending him to do any tune-up games in the minors? Is there like what's the rationale there just to square that away?
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to write about this uh, at the Athletic uh, today. You know, Kevin Long uh, has spent more time with Bryce, you know, during this rehab process than just about anyone, and you know, he kind of agrees with Harper that like he doesn't need these rehab games in the minors. And it's definitely unusual. Um, I mean, he's going to go from, you know, his last at bat in the world series to uh, right back into the majors, which is like, which is Mm. crazy. But um, you know, they've gotten, they've had ways to do it. I mean, like, Harper is essentially simulating his own spring training by, you know, facing live pitchers at Citizens Bank Park. He's faced Ranger Suarez and Nick Nelson. They brought some minor leaguers over last week. He saw Jeff Hoffman, who, who throws the ball really hard. He's at AAA. Um, he's done a lot of work in the cage. And I think the way they look at it is that, like, it, it's his spring training, uh, you know, guys can have a really good spring guys can have a really bad spring. And then you look up and in April it's like the total opposite of what happens. So I think Mm -hmm. (laughs) they say like, you know, he's more important to us on the field in the majors. Is it going to be a little rusty? Probably. Um, It's also Bryce. And like, you're just kind of like, I don't know, like if if this is what he wants to do, then you're kind of like, okay, like if you get him enough at bats and you feel comfortable about the swing, um, then you go with it. I mean, you know, I, I went with Harper to the, one his first rehab game last year, triple A, Valley. It was really cool for the people in Allentown to be able to see that and go there. It's a great crowd. Yeah. Like, it's I kind bet. of a circus, right? Like for mm. Harper, right? He's trying to get his work in. Like that is solely what it's for. And then, you know, the guys he's facing in the mound, triple A, like, I don't say, let say they're like afraid to throw them, but like, you might not get as many strikes as he wants. Like you might, the quality pitches might not be good. It might be pitching around. him. And it's like. And You know, it's like how much do these at bats, these games add, and the answer is probably not much, especially for these star Mm. players like this. So, um, they're going to roll with no rehab assignment, and you know, we'll see if it backfires. But I, I get it. I think I get it. It's unusual, though, for sure.
0: It'll be it'll be interesting as this gets a little bit closer. And hell, maybe we only have one more episode to even think about it before it actually happens. But with a number of guys playing well, thankfully in the offense, like obviously you slot Harper right back in, but the DH rotation goes away. Certainly changes DH up.
1: Rotation goes away. Yeah. Playing- and Schwarber, you'll notice mm-hmm. like hasn't, you know, played a lot of left field. Like I, um, he's going to have to play left field every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some something to keep an eye on. We'll, we'll check in on that as things hopefully continue to get a little bit more real as Bryce continues to get his way back. It's really unbelievable. I think to end uh, today, we'll, we'll give a little bit of a glove tap to the bullpen which like a lot of the pitchers and a lot of the rest of the staff to start the year was not off to a great start. Got shellacked in Texas really was just looking a little bit shaky, looking like everybody had a bit of rust and cobwebs, but things have been turning around and in a big way. So we did a little back of napkin math and going back to the start of the White Sox series. And even actually to uh, the game before that, the end of the last road red series, But let's let's focus on the start of the White Sox series for a second. The bullpen has combined through Sunday to throw 21 innings with a .86 ERA, 33 percent strikeout rate, four percent walk rate, no home runs. And in raw totals, that's 26 strikeouts to three walks again in 21 innings. If you add in that last Reds game, that's three more relief innings, no runs. So the ERA drops to .75 and it's 30 strikeouts to three walks. Again, still no home runs. Matt, uh, this is quite the role for the bullpen. They are on fire right now from Alvarado, obviously, still Greg Soto finding his groove. Sir Anthony looking a little bit better. Kimbrell looking a little bit better. Uh, Newcomer Luis Ortiz really holding his own and contributing. Things are looking nice in the back end and the front end of the bullpen right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny how it works. It's like once they started getting a little more length from their rotation, they were able to sort of um, clean up the bullpen and sort things out and, and and just get guys settled, right? I mean, they started pitching guys in more um, consistent situations in the game, and you see guys getting into a groove. And, like, I, I really think what sticks out to me is Alvarado and Soto, like that tandem of two hard-throwing lefties, Um they didn't get a ton of time with soto in spring training he was delayed by visa issues and you know he's he's obviously like he's throwing a slider way more and it's it's i've written about it a little bit at the athletic and it, it's a it's a pitch that they've made some adjustments on with the way he throws it the grip and sort of the wrist action um, it's it's a really good pitch but i think one of the bigger things too they've done is that they've just cleaned up the delivery and if you watch soto especially early in the season he had like three different uh deliveries and uh, mm-hmm. one with a really high leg kick one with kind of like a medium leg kick and then with like a slide step where he's not even moving his moving his leg up um, and that that did not help his command and it was something that they 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 noticed last year when they um, were doing a kind of review of Soto when they were trying to decide you know whether they want to trade for him they asked their pitching people like hey what do you see what do you think and that was one thing that stuck out was like you know maybe he should clean up his delivery and that might help him throw strikes more and uh, I took a little bit of convincing I think I think Look, like having Alvarado be an example for some of these guys, especially Soto, uh, it, it really helps. Cause it's like, look, like, trust us. Just look what we did with this guy. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way. It's like mm-hmm. and Alvarado's in there telling him like, Hey, look, like they know what they're talking about. Like, trust these guys. And I mean, that goes so far, like when you're trying to make changes or trying to get a guy to buy in and Soto is bought in, he's totally bought in. And he's, he's really interesting to me um, because I think he's probably closing for a lot of teams. And in, in this bullpen, he's like your third or fourth guy. And that's, um, that's pretty good. And Alvarado obviously is like on a different planet right now. I don't, I don't, I, 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 you know, it's unbelievable. And I I just, I don't know. (laughs) He hasn't walked anyone yet. He does not have a walk. He has 20 strikeouts and no walks.
0: 36 batters. Yep.
1: And he didn't walk – there's, like, some kind of crazy stretch. Like, he didn't walk a guy, like, in the regular season to end last year either. It was, like, in, like, his last, like, ten appearances or something. So he's got, like – he has, like, I don't know, like, 30-something strikeouts since his last walk. It's just – it's unbelievable the progress he's made. And, you know, I I, I think certainly Dominguez is still figuring it out a little bit. Um, The command hasn't been great. Craig Kimbrell has been better of late. Like I still think he's, he's kind of scary. Like we've seen a little more velocity. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and he's kind of a guy who um, by all accounts, like really kind of um, gets into that like, velocity, not until May. Usually April is, is just kind of like a feeling out period for him. And then that's understandable. I think in the velocity era, we expect these guys to be, you know, full go right away. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's not how it works for everybody, that's especially that's some fair. of the older guys. Um, you know, he's gonna to get to three to three hundred saves. And that's a that's a or four hundred saves, excuse me, and that's a big deal. He's four away and they'll, they'll try to get him those spots. But um I think you're gonna see Alvarado and Soto more often in the ninth inning, um, if the situation dictates. So um you know, Connor Brogdon's looked really nice in like kind of that multi-inning sort of fireman role, and I think that's mm-hmm. a role that they want Matt, Matt Strom to fill at some point, you know, once they're able to move him back into the bullpen, and that will make that unit even stronger. You know, they pressed pause on Andrew Bellotti, which I'm not surprised about. No. Um, just too much early on and and they really had to use him a lot and the quality of it had de- decreased quite a bit in the last few and so um you know, they put him on the IL and U- U- Junior Marte is is in the bullpen again now, you know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that one spot will kind of be revolving door, but yeah, I mean, you've got Andrew Vasquez, Luis Ortiz, and Junior Marte in your bullpen right now, and mm-hmm. you're still feeling like kind of good about it. Ortiz, you're right; he's throwing strikes. Like I've been kind of impressed. It's not bad. It's like 96 with a decent slider that he throws a lot, and so you know, uh, those are interchangeable parts right now. Like if if one of those guys struggles or if somebody does well Triple A, they can make a switch, and and they like to have those those sort of flexibility. But um, the overall picture is is quite good right now
0: the Strom thing is just fascinating to me first that he's been as good as he has moving from relief into the rotation. It's been unbelievable, but I'm just looking at, um, you know, slotting him back into the bullpen and thinking about the three big time left-handers that are going to be back there. Now I'm just looking at what the left-handed relievers and left-handed pitchers, really all of them have done against right-handed batters so far this season. Alvarado, obviously, He struck out 14 of the 24 right-handers he's faced. He's given up three hits. Soto has struck out eight of the 25 that he's faced with four walks. So two to one. Okay, you take that. Strom has struck out 23 of the 61 right-handers he's faced as a starter. All three of the, the highest opponents average among those three is 130. And that's Strom. All of the OPSs are below 500. That is incredible work. Incredible work. And again, that's over hundred plate appearances with the platoon disadvantage from the left-handed pitchers. You know, you even throw Vasquez in. He's got five strikeouts to five walks, but they're only hitting 185 against him. And that, you know, that's five singles. You know, Bailey Falter and Christopher Sanchez, yeah, fine. That they're more pedestrian. But the left-handed relievers are done so much work there. It's just it's really tantalizing to think about what this current version of Soto, I mean the last week plus really the last two weeks. If you add reliever version, Matt Strom, who you can condense a little bit now, and Alvarado going on this run, I mean, he'll come back to earth maybe a little bit. The longer this goes on, the more I question it. He'll come back to earth slightly. Uh, it's a force. Maybe not with the names you would expect to hear about, you know, like a, like a fearsome hydra of, of bullpen guys. But, you know, Alvarado, Soto, and Strom, <laughs> they got something cooking here. So, you know, look, I don't want to get too far ahead of things. We've all seen how things quick, how quickly things can turn both for good and bad. But right now there's just, there's so much to be encouraged about with some, yeah, and, especially and, the newer acquisitions.
1: Right. And it just gives the manager flexibility, right? Cause you, you don't need to have left on left. Like if you have lefties that you're like, okay, I trust these guys. in just about mm-hmm. any situation, it just gives you, it just gives you more options. And you feel like you can match up better against just about anybody. and, you're right. I mean, it's going to be, you know, Ranger Suarez is probably going to, he's um, probably going to get out to a rehab game in the minors um, later this week. I think they okay. want him to do at least two, maybe three, but I, probably two, um, you know, which puts him on track probably to come back, you know, second week of May, you know, maybe a little after that. But um, I do expect Strom to go back into the bullpen. And I know people might, you know, kind of question that, you know, just given how he's pitched and compared to Bailey Falter, but, I just think that you're a better team overall with Falter in the rotation and Strom in the bullpen. Because if you decide to keep Strom in the rotation, you're sending Falter out. Like you're sending him the AAA to keep starting because you want him to Mm -hmm. start. You're not putting him in the bullpen. No. Um, So that means that now you've got Strom in the rotation, you've got someone else in the bullpen and Falter AAA. And I just think, um, I think you're better off with Falter in your rotation for now and Strom in your bullpen. Ranger back in the rotation do you disagree with me?
0: No, no. I, I, they're committed to falter as a starter, and I think just buying into one he's or the other. He's
1: fifth starter. He's yeah. Just, you know, he's, look, it's, it, it's all it's I want. It's not going to be a... great, but it's not going to be, but he's given you at least five innings every time, and that's what you want. Sure. That's what you want from your fifth starter.
0: You know, He's been a lot like the rest of the starting pitchers in that there's one event or inning that happens in the middle of these starts that just makes everything look kind of weird, and then everything else is fine. You Nola's know, doing it. Wheeler's doing it. He just did it yesterday. He, he, Falter does it a little bit, but he does it a little more frequently. Fine. Okay. I, I'm totally cool with this guy being, you know, what number four, number five, what have you. Just as long as they commit to that. You know, I don't want to see them do what they're doing with, with Sanchez still. And like, right. what, what is he? You know, like I, eh. I just like when there's a plan. Give me time to buy into it, too, from the outside. Let me see the well, work. I think their Let plan has been involved. affected
1: by, like, the injuries, right? I mean, like, they, I, I, you know. Well, maybe that hasn't helped, f- for sure. Right. Maybe with, like, a full complement of pitchers, like, Sanchez becomes a reliever. But I, I just think that they've been um, pushed into, like, keeping him as a starter just because mm. they kind of need it. We just saw him. I mean, they need him as a sixth guy right. you know, to step in. And now he goes back. He's going to go, you know, pitch every fifth day, triple A.
0: All right, so we'll see how things go. Hopefully the news stays encouraging again with the week ahead. The test gets a little bit tougher. The Mariners are in Philadelphia for three starting on Tuesday, and then the Phils start a quick road trip uh, through Texas and out to Los Angeles and uh, three-game rematch of the World Series. Um, we'll see how our moods are recording after that series <laughs> wraps up. <laughs> it uh, could, uh, could go a number of ways. That's Yeah, uh,
1: the Cespedes Barbecue guys tweeted out, you know, this is the, the Mariners are coming to Philly for the first time in six years. Uh-huh. And do you want to know who batted cleanup for the Phillies the last time they played the Mariners at Citizens Bank Park?
0: 2017?
1: May 2017. Who was it? Michael Saunders.
0: Oh, against his old <laughs> team. Wow. The poetry, the poetry of the mid 2010s Phillies.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, what a lineup. I mean, we got Tommy Joseph at first, Andres Blanco. At he was going to be my guest. Tommy
0: Joseph was going to be my guest, but I, I but backed out
1: for the Mariners. They had. Do you know who caught for the Mariners in this game? The last time what? they were in Philadelphia?
0: Was it like Jesus Montero or something? Carlos Ruiz. <laughs> Oh, Chooch was on the Mariners then. That's
1: right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, that, that's oh, a long man. time ago. Oh, his my years, was my league Six years ago. What,
0: what am I thinking of?
1: Six years ago. Wow. That's this will be JP Crawford's first visit to Citizens Bank Park since the Phillies oh, traded him.
0: My guy. I'm I'm very happy for JP. I'm glad he's found I'm glad he's found a, a workable situation. His gold glove. Uh, that's awesome. That's great for him. All right, Mariners. They're fun. There are a lot of interesting guys on that team. You may have heard of Julio Rodriguez. They got a number of interesting pitchers. You're going to see some of them in this uh, series. George Kirby, Logan Gilbert. Um, They're fun. Check them out. You don't get to see them very often, although now we'll get to see them every year, apparently. So maybe that advice doesn't hold as true anymore. The Phillies are 11 and 12. Again, they're hanging in there. They're not out of it. It's still April. The news is good on the injury front right now. Things are trending up. Bullpen looks good. Rotation still warming up a bit. Offense is fine. Um, Rejoice. Feel happy. This was a good week. And we can take the good weeks as they come. And we'll see how this Mariners and Astros double dip week goes. You'll be able to tell by the tone of our voices this time next week how it went. (laughs) Uh, So remember, as always, to check out Matt's work on TheAthletic.com. Look for his story coming out on harper and skipping them uh the miners on his road to to coming back into the lineup and just god i, I kind of want to be there that first game when he comes back if it is at home oh man the pop if it is you know cinco Ooh.
1: cinco de briso Ew. it's possible it's possible Ew. i don't know i don't know i mean it cinco might it briso. might happen sorry no, you're not thinking that it's also get game out. three of the sixer celtic series so it could be oh. a pretty busy night at the sports complex but we'll see i mean i'm not don't write in ink that he's coming back on may 5th but i think that the door is certainly open
0: all right we'll keep our fingers crossed thanks as always to matt go read matt stuff subscribe to the athletic for matt i am paul we'll talk to you next week